What's going on, guys? It's your hobby, David. St. Clair Speaks. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks show. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the St. Clair Speaks show podcast. I'm your host, Yahavi St. Clair. Guys, we got another incredible guest here on the St. Clair Speaks show podcast. I am sitting down with Paula Rosecki, uh, mindset and leadership coach, facilitator of the Paula Rosecki and Company. Paula is influencing and changing lives by helping high-achieving daughters of immigrants who are wildly successful and living someone else's dream start designing the life that they want. Paula, I want to personally invite you and welcome you on to the podcast. Please give our audience and our listeners a three to five minute introduction on yourself, your brand, your business. Of course, which brings you on to the St. Clair Speak Show podcast. Well, hello there. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I just love your energy and hope that I can do you justice here. <laughs> so I'm Paula Rosecki. I am a mindset leadership coach and a longtime facilitator and market researcher. And I have been in the market research business for a very long time, many, many years. And over the years, I realized that what I really love to do is work with people one-on-one -on -one to help them achieve their goals by understanding what their objectives are for themselves personally, and then helping them get there. And because over the years, I've been doing that for many people and particularly large brands and helping them understand people's perceptions, opinions, and beliefs about the brands. But I really wanted to dive down into an individual level or small group level and help people do that for themselves in their lives. So that's what I've been doing. I have a particular interest and uh, specific um, expertise with uh, folks who are of immigrant descent. I find that we, I also am a daughter of immigrants, and we have some particular beliefs about ourselves and about our culture that influences um, how we go about the world. And I would love to help people who want to make some changes in their lives that are not so attached to their cultural beliefs. Ooh, okay. All right. So <laughs> I am... I, you, you mentioned a lot, right? I'm, again, I'm super excited to have you on the show. Uh, immigrant, right? Just being an immigrant, the American dream, coming to America, creating all these opportunities for yourself. What is, you know, the quote unquote uh, a, a American dream looked at from the immigrant side now versus what it was 60 years ago? Because there's so much opportunity, right? And, you, and you're very successful within your industry. So, what is it like for you uh, in this space being so influential as you are with that background? Oh my goodness. Well, I think it's funny because I talk a lot about people's backgrounds. It, it really influences so much of what we do and who we are. And we get to decide how much of that we like and want to bring along with us, or if it doesn't serve us and we think we want to change some things. So your question was around, you know, how things were, let's say, 60 years ago. So just to, just to back up real quickly. Um, so my parents actually immigrated from now former Czechoslovakia in 1969, and I was born in the U.S., but my parents did not speak English when I was growing up. 
And they also were very highly qualified people who could not find jobs in their industry right away. And, you know, and that brought along some frustrations. And I know that there's people out there yet today who, who worry about those same kinds of things. And the way that that influenced me growing up was obviously, you know, we did not have a lot of money. And I helped my parents kind of navigate the American system and help them sometimes even translate their resumes and think about how to look for jobs. So I took on a role that, you know, may not be typical for for a lot of kids. Um, And that influenced how I kind of viewed the world. And later in my life, I actually decided to go to their home country so that I could better understand them and how they tick. And it helped me understand a little better of, you know, my reactions to being an immigrant and what that really meant. Cause it, I didn't realize, um, what an impact that had on me until I actually left the U S <laughs> and experienced, um, some of what my parents, you know, came from, um, I got to know my family there. And then I, I really realized like, wow, this, this cultural aspect of our What's going on guys? It's Yahavi David, St. Clair Speaks, and you are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks show. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app and start your journey today. It's that time. Ourselves, right? Or the way that we talk to ourselves in terms of our culture is really important and can form a lot of who we are. So that's my background. And, you know, over the past 60 years, I'm sure it has changed. I think people these days are much more open. Uh, You know, actually, it's great to see how people are more open to, um, uh, open to their own background and culture and and leveraging that rather than running away from it. But there still are people, some of my clients, you know, feel very pressured to be successful in a way that their culture deems, um, you know, that their culture expects to be. So you have a lot of people who go into professions like being lawyers or doctors or engineers um, or certain aspects of academia that may that go into those professions because they think that's what they should do um, in order to make the sacrifices of their parents worth it. You know, the sacrifices that their parents made to come to the U.S. worth it. And so they go into these types of professions and maybe they realize later that they really don't want to be doing that anymore. A lot of powerful points there. Following up with what you just mentioned, um, my next question for you is, what is it like working in the coaching industry? Because it's a very competitive space, but you know what you're doing helps you, of course, stand out. But what are some challenges that you know you're seeing clients consistently face with? That's that's kind of common. Like, oh, you're you're going through this too. Cheryl's going through the same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what are some things that you're seeing within the industry? 
well, you know what is, uh, it's so funny because when you, when you dive into what, if you start uncovering and unraveling and uh, peeling away the onion at what people's core issue is, most of us think that we either are an imposter in what we're doing, right? We feel like we're a bit of a fraud or we just think what we're doing or who we are is not enough. I can't tell you how many people think that what they're doing isn't enough or who they're being isn't enough. And um, so after we strip away all kinds of other things, that is one of the core beliefs of so many of us. So that's one piece of it is I help kind of really dive into, well, what does that even mean? And what would be enough? Like really, what would ever be enough? There's, there's no way to really answer that question where we feel, what we wanna do is try to feel good about what we actually are doing. So that's a lot of what I do. And then we all live with this internal judge. Um, we're either judging ourselves or we're judging other people or we're judging outside circumstances. And so a lot of what I help do is um, really uncover the specifics of what each of those either, how that might not be serving you, right? So if we're being very judgmental of other people or a situation, oftentimes that just puts a lot of pressure on ourselves and has, has people holding themselves back. It's not very useful. Um, energy to put out there in the world. So, so I'm not sure that's really an industry trend, but it is a trend that I see with people, you know, that I work with and some of the things that we, that we work on together. So I recently started to include uh, something as a quick segment in my podcast and it's called my quick hitter question. So I'm going to shoot a quick question at you. It's a really good one, by the way. And just give me a really good, uh, of course, a great answer. And you, know, you could explain it as well. So what I want to know is, what does leadership mean to you? And what does leadership look like to you, Paula? Mm. So leadership to me is knowing when to capitalize and leverage all of the talent that you have at your disposal with the folks that you work with. I think um, really being able to hold space for everyone that is contributing and understanding their unique talents and being able to tap into those talents in a way that serves the ultimate project or the objective that you're trying to work towards. So I think leadership is a lot of listening, active listening, and then knowing when to kind of pull the levers with each individual person or department so that they can really step into their own, their own leadership um, through empathy and, um, and leveraging each individual's talent and skill. Mm. As you uh, as you're diving into that, I'm like, man, I just thought of an even better one. Following that question, right? Are leader are leaders born or leaders trained? What are your thoughts on that? Mm. Well, I think each all of us have leadership abilities, 
And, but we may not necessarily recognize that that's what we are doing. Um, and some people might be a little bit afraid of that, right? Like they don't necessarily want to step into it, but I mean, let's face it. Any mom who runs a household is a leader. Any person who is part of a team and has some responsibilities in a project is a leader. Anyone who's part of a community um, trying to do better in their community and has some role in that is a leader. So I think just understanding that all of us have some leadership skills and whether or not we want to step into them more, that's up to each of us. But I think we all have that skill and that power for sure. What do you think about that? Well, my, you know, I, I go both ways on this one. And the reason why I go both ways on this one is because I just strongly believe some people are just born with it. But at mm -hmm. the same time, if, you know, you were apprenticing for someone for 10 years, I believe, you know, you know, you know, you're, you're trained and you're polished and you're mold for, you know, to step into that leadership role. So, you know, you can go about it two ways. Um, but I, from my experience, there are some things that you, you're just born with naturally, but at the same time, I know if I want to be a better leader, I need to be around, you know, the greatest leaders I know. And, you know, of course, success leaves clues. And when you're around other, you know, really influential leaders, it definitely rubs off on you. And, you know, you could pick it, you could pick apart these little things and you could implement it within your own strategy and how you could grow. But I also find uh, leadership, when I think of the word leadership, I think of accountability, mm -hmm. right? I think of, okay, you know, what's going to drive me to write this 24 page paper tonight, right? I'm, I'm a leader. I got a lot of people counting on me. So I got to hold myself accountable. I just think, you know, leadership comes with this. It's a higher standard. It's a higher standard. And I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people don't know that they're leaders because they never really had the opportunity to lead. And I don't know, I, that's a whole nother question for another day, but um, I don't know. You know. No, but it's a great topic. I love talking about leadership because I, I mean, it shows up in so many areas of our lives, right? Like you, I, I mean, I'd be curious what you think and the people that you hold to be great leaders, like what are some of those qualities that you look up to that you try to emulate? Because those are, I, I, I totally agree with that, by the way. I think if there's someone that you really admire, you really want to dissect, right? Like how are they, what is it about their leadership that really attracts me or what's very compelling to me about their leadership style? And then how can I take some of that on for myself? Yeah, it's that, you know, it, it's, it, I tell you what, leadership is, and it has been a life lesson because as you level up, as the more successful you become, there's more that comes with it. And, you know, as a leader, regardless of how you feel emotionally, you still have to show up. So it doesn't matter yeah. if it's raining, if it's snowing, or if it's just a nice, sunny, beautiful day, you still got work to do. You still got to put into work. You're a leader and you have a lot of people counting on you. So leading it from leadership to, you know, to team management and, um, you know, working with a, a team, what, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, team chemistry and, and, and team building? I, I want to know your thoughts on that because of course, just following the leadership, you know, you got to be a team player too. So what are your thoughts on uh, just being a, a solid team member, but a team member that brings value to a team? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's up to a leader to understand who, you know, the individual skills and talents to, that someone can bring to a team. Um, in terms of bringing value, I think one really important aspect of being a good team leader is having integrity. So when you are assigned a task or you volunteer to do a task or you know that you're the person to do something, to be able to follow up with it so that people know that they can count on you, I have found that to be a really, really important piece of being part of a team. powerful point but it's also it's also for me i you know it, this is just going to lead into my next question but i also think it comes down to mindset so i really i we could go everywhere with mindset because mindset is uh there there's this long tunnel that follows with the word mindset there there's a lot so i want to talk about mindset and what, what what it takes to actually apply the things that you know but also that mindset shift because there has to be, you know, there's a point in time in everyone's life where you, you literally have to turn that switch on, right? That's that mindset shift. That's that paradigm shift. Like we, we all are faced with these, you know, these facing moments in our lives, right? Every human being. But I want to talk about wh what does it take for that mindset shift to, to, to change for someone to say, all right, I'm done being stuck in my ways. This is what I want to do this is the life I want to live, but it starts with mindset, but that's so hard for a lot of people. Why is that, Paula? And I want to know your thoughts on that. Why is that? Oh, it's, well, we have this thing called the human brain <laughs> that, likes to, <laughs> to, that likes to stick in the familiar, right? So our, our brains are literally developed in a way, structured in a way where we like to stay in kind of survival mode and stay in the familiar and for us to change it does take you know it takes purposeful commitment and not everybody wants to do it so i commend anybody who has made a decision that they want to make any kind of meaningful change in their lives um, so really without that commitment to know that you want to change it's obviously you can't do it without that, right? Um, but then the mindset piece is really, I'm a big proponent of thought work. So really understanding deeply what is going on in your mind. Um, I'm also a proponent of writing your thoughts down. I personally like to just take a few minutes and kind of get out all the garbage that's going on in my brain for a few minutes in the morning, just so that I can see it. Because once we see it, we can decide whether we like it or whether we don't like it. And we don't want to continue thinking that way because really our thoughts do create the results that we have in our lives. Our thoughts become things. Every great idea in the world and innovation in the world came from someone's thought. So knowing what your thoughts are, really taking a look at them and deciding consciously what you want to keep and what you want to maybe slowly discard, like some of it is not so easy to, um, to eliminate, right? But you can decide that you don't want to think in a certain way anymore um, to try to change that. And sometimes we, we can 
think of some thoughts that we want to be thinking and maybe we're not there yet and then we can find some thoughts that seem to be a little more true for us right now um, and not something that you know we're not there yet but there might be some kind of stepping stone ways of thinking to get us closer to what we ultimately want so I'm mindset is a process it's a process for sure no, it it is. I love the conversation of mindset because it just leads uh, right into uh, mental health awareness, especially uh, that conversation is being had a, a lot more because of the recent pandemic, right? A lot of people, including myself, I've had moments where I was faced with um, just this anxiety uh, at times or just mental health challenges because of all the things that's going on in the outside world, you know, people losing jobs, all these other things that's going on, riots, et cetera. And then, you know, you got to look at what can you do, right? What are some new skill sets that you could learn? What can you apply? Um, you know, I, I've said this on the record, you know, right before everything shut down, right? Uh, those who fail to adjust will be left behind. So you got to adapt new skill sets. This podcast, Paula, is one of the things that came about during the pandemic. So I, I when I started, this was over, what, a, right before the shutdown, literally right before. And I started, didn't look back right? This is a new skill set opportunity. It's networking, it's content, it's podcasting. This is something I had to, you, again, as you just said, mindset shift. I had to say, okay, this is not going to work for me anymore. I cannot do this anymore. And as you said, um, letting go of, you know, what's comfortable uh, and, yeah. you know, pretty much walking towards the unknown and being yeah. okay with that. I feel maybe you could touch on this too. A lot of people do have some people, let, let's say like this, some people have a scarcity uh, mindset over the abundance mentality, but it also kind of like stems back to childhood a little bit. So if you come from humble beginnings, all you know is scarcity. All you know is barely getting by. And then every thought that you have with money, it's, oh, I don't have enough. So you're manifesting that you don't have enough and the cycle just never stops. So I, I kind of want you to just take it from there. <laughs> Do you want me to talk about money mindset? Absolutely. Drop the Okay. Down, it sounds like we're going into money mindset. Yes. So you're absolutely, your thoughts about money come from early in your life, right? Likely, likely they're dragging along with you um, thoughts that you had about money. Um, like, so for instance, right, oftentimes, at least in my family, we, I literally heard my parents say money does not grow on trees. Now, aside from the metaphor, you were putting a lot of um, uh, meaning, right? So for every phrase like that, we attach some kind of meaning to that phrase, interpret it in some way. And then we could hold on to that interpretation for years and years and years. Now, what I would love to believe is money is easy. It's easy to create money for myself. And the process from getting from money doesn't grow on trees to money is easy, it takes some work, right? The, there's a, again, it's a process. I may not believe money is easy right away, but there are some steps I can take in between to get me closer to, to that thought, because that thought, if I think about how I feel when I say that, it feels a lot more 
empowering, right? Money is easy. It has a very a positive feeling for me. And so you want to kind of keep moving towards that more positive feeling. Everything we do um, comes, it's driven by a feeling. And so what you want to do is, is watch your thoughts to generate a positive feeling. And because from those feelings is where we take action. So you're likely to do more decisive, clear-headed actions um, when you're thinking money is easy. So again, it's a process, but it's possible to get yourself there. Whew. What do you think of that? <laughs> what do you, you know, think of that? I, you know, I I have a new belief about money too. I agree. Yeah, tell money me. Is, yeah, money is absolutely really easy. You know, um, there's this book I've read, um, the movie as well. I've seen so many times, The Secret. But yeah. um, but love that book. Definitely changed changed my entire perspective. But what book really changed the way I think is The Power of Positive Thinking by um, Norman Vincent Peale. Just really made me look at how I feel about myself in terms of just self-worth and just, you know, a positive mindset, a positive attitude, positive energy, and understanding that these are the things that I attract, right? You, you know, your thoughts, as you said, thoughts become things. So, you know, the saying death and life is in the power of the tongue. It's also in your thoughts too. So I've learned to monitor my thoughts. Uh, there's just this guy, um, he, of course, I don't, he's long passed on years. His name is Alan, Alan Wallace, I believe. And I, I just listened to a lot of his YouTube uh, content. He, he's an old, uh, old, old uh, philanthropist. He makes a lot of, well, he made a lot of, uh, you know, speaking uh, audio content. And he just talks about the mind and shutting off the mind. And th these are things that I recently implemented because I'm a big thinker and I, I'm pretty much a visionary. So I'm constantly thinking of ideas new things and this and doing this and what are some new things I could include on my podcast and standing out. So I'm constantly in go mode. And for me, that's not always good because mm -hmm. I don't necessarily need to be at a hundred all the time to get the job done. I could still show up at a 75% and still get the same result, but yes. Can I comment on oh, that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Because here, here's what can happen if we're, cause I'm not suggesting that it's always push energy, right? Like, but when you're always creating and you're putting stuff out into the world, what you, what you might not be doing is leaving yourself a little bit of space so that you can actually receive also, right? So, and just energetically being aware of how much you're pushing versus how much you're allowing in. Absolutely. And um, one of the things that I've been focused on is just more awareness, consciousness, uh, separating the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, working on both, uh, mm -hmm. addressing both, actually being present versus being in the future, thinking of all the great blessings and opportunities to come, but actually just being in the present. Okay, I'm interviewing Paula right now. You know, just yeah. be, you know, being present. There were a lot of interviews that I've probably done in the past where, you know, there were still great interviews, but I just wasn't as present as I am on this one, right? So I, I think, I don't know where I, I, I guess I lost my train of thought here, but <laughs> okay. yeah, just, but being present is something I'm very big on now. 
Um, yeah. can, can you touch on that? Yes. Oh my gosh. So I, I love the topic of being present and I agree with you. I'm very present with you right now. And it feel, it just feels so good. Doesn't it? When you know that you are exactly where you are, you are not in the past and you're not thinking about the future. And I have a couple of um, tips of sometimes the way that when I catch myself, maybe not being as present, there are a couple things that you can do to immediately get back into your body and back into the, the moment. And one is obviously just taking a breath, right? Because no one would know right now if you are taking a deep breath to get present or if I'm kind of doing that in my own way. So obviously breathing is one way to do that. Um, the other thing you can do is just as you're sitting, wherever you're sitting, just wiggle your toes. If you just consciously wiggle your toes, it brings you back into your body and you can become a little more present with where you are. And then there's an, I have a number of these, but I'll give you the, a third one, which is just take two tips of your fingertips and rub them together so intently that you can actually feel the ridges on the top of your fingers. And that helps you get really, really in the moment as well. And let me give you, actually, I'll give you one more, number four. And this is if you're on a Zoom call or, you know, you're actually looking at someone. If you want to get really more present with that person, just pick, pick something in their face or even in the background of their image that they're in and look at it so intently that you can see you know, the vibrant colors in their eyes or, you know, something that's interesting in the background and really like really look at the color and texture of that thing in the background. So those are some tips about how to get really present in the moment. And it, and no one even has to know that you're doing it. You know, it's so funny. Uh, I'm so glad that we're talking about just being present and, you know, you, you saying, you know, you feel so present and this is, an interview where I feel so present and it's audio, right? Versus video, you would assume that you're, you'll be more present. But in fact, it's, it's a lot easier to zone out on video. It can be, yeah, absolutely. It's like Zoom, you get this Zoom fatigue, right? You well, you can get distracted, right? Because now, because you're, I mean, it's really good in a lot of ways because you're paying attention to someone's, um, you know, their, their body language or seeing something in the background. So don't get me wrong. I think, you know, the communication that you can have on a zoom call can be very powerful because at least we're like seeing that, that human. Right. But I also agree that there's something in the human voice that when we pay attention to it, I mean, there's so much communication that is done in the human voice that's on a micro level and like on this meta level, right? Because there's an energy by just by listening that can come through so powerfully. I love the human voice. I really love it too. And another thing too, it's so funny that we're talking about voice now. We met on Clubhouse, right? We yes. connected originally on Clubhouse and I'm, I was going through previous messages and I'm like, this is such a good interview. Why are we now doing this in September? I don't know why, but this energy is just like, it's just so good. I mean, that's uh, something else that we could, I'll probably ask you in a little bit about just synergy and energy, 
But my, my question for you is, I, I kind of want to switch gears for a quick second. I want to know uh, the transition of being a strategic marketing researcher, right? Going into a facilitator, like w w what's that transition like? Um, market research, facilitator, and also what is market research? Because there's a lot of people that just don't know what that is. Uh, can you explain that as well and, and kind of like educate us on that? Oh, sure. I'd love to. Yeah. So market research is, is a part of the marketing arm. I mean, it typically you're there to support people in marketing. And what we do is we help our stakeholders within a company um, or sometimes outside of a company. There's, so you can either be a market researcher within a larger organization, or you can be a market researcher that services a larger organization. So, you know, you're hired from the outside. So, and typically market researchers help their stakeholders understand the market, um, meaning the people who are buying the services and, you know, um, services or products that, that that company is selling. So, it's often you think of like how people are reacting to advertising or their brand, you know, it could be about brand perceptions. It could be about um, researching how people are actually using a product or using a website. So it can, it kind of spans a whole number of things and each market research project is very, you know, pretty unique and customized and Sometimes you're looking at big data and sometimes you're looking at what an individual had to say about, you know, a product or service. No, this was, um, no, good points, good points. And this is why I love podcasting because when I invite people on, um, I'm not going to talk, I, I definitely, I can't reveal my hand, but I am very picky on who I want to interview and why. And I'm so glad to have you on the show because I, I, whenever I uh, cross paths with anyone in Clubhouse, there's always a strong reason. And when I have the opportunity to just pick someone else's brain, uh, especially about, uh, with an industry that I'm unfamiliar with, like market research and um, more things on mindset and leadership, because everyone has a different perspective on what makes, a, what makes someone a really good leader and what it takes to activate that um, you know, this new level of mindset, right? So I want to talk about energy um, and the, the, the importance of just owning your energy and mastering your energy in business. Because of course there's business and there's also personal. We're also human beings. We're not robots. No one is a robot. Um, what is it like for you balancing personal and business energy Right. What's that like if you're having a bad personal day, do you because, you know, someone of your stature, like, do you have this? OK, that that's it. Like Paula kind of a thing. Do you have like a safety word that you say to yourself? Do you have something that you do? Do you go out? Like, how do you balance that? Hmm. So if I'm having a bad personal day, um, which I will tell you, I, recently, I've really been able to manage that for myself. <laughs> it's not to say that I don't have bad days. Of course I do. But I also recognize that a bad day is just a thought. Like whatever, if I'm having a bad day, it's just because of something that I am thinking. 
that is not serving me. And it doesn't, and actually, sometimes it's, it's obviously okay to have bad days, right? I'm not, I'm not judging bad days. Sometimes we get to just have a bad day. But if I know that I had something on my schedule and I've got to go get it done, you know, you just got to, sometimes you just got to pull your pants up and go do it. <laughs> so you just have to very quickly get into how am I sabotaging myself by not doing the thing that I thought I was going to do today and who else might be impacted, right? I like to think of, wow, if I don't put out that post or if I don't make that phone call, there might be someone that is not, not going to benefit from the value that I could add for them today. So that's one, one way that I try to do that. Ooh, you know, you touched on something too, and I didn't even think about this. You literally just thought about it. Self-sabotage. Mm -hmm. uh, talk to, because I think that somewhat falls in line with mindset. And I kind of want you to break down self-sabotage for us and getting mm -hmm. over the hurdle of self-sabotage. Yeah, well, there are many ways that we self-sabotage. Each of us does it a little differently, right? Like some of us are, we try to please people too much and then we get frustrated that we're pleasing and, and what we're actually doing is creating, you know, some struggle for ourselves by people pleasing too much or um, we might be trying to control a situation. This is actually one of my tendencies. I think, oh, well, if I control it, you know, it, the outcome will be better when in the end, that's probably not true. So we have these lies that we tell ourselves. Um, and that's basically what self-sabotage is. We think that we're, um, you know, helping ourselves in some way, but ultimately it really might be creating the opposite for ourselves. So people pleasing is an example, trying to over control things is an example. Um, you know, especially in the American culture, we have, we tend to be hyper achievers and, you know, sometimes that doesn't really serve you because because you might be pushing out too much energy. And so how can you, rec can you recognize that maybe holding back a little bit will actually create a better result? So there are a number of examples of the ways that people self-sabotage. And I think a, a big part of it is just recognizing, this is again, why I like to write things down is because once you can see what your thoughts are about the way you're handling a situation, um, or assuming what other people are going to do, or maybe you're not trusting people, you know, that, that can be a part of your self-sabotage. Mm, I love, I love how you broke it down that everyone self-sabotages pretty much in a different way, which is so true. Everyone mm -hmm. has their thing, uh, their go-to, right? Uh, AKA their or tendencies. Zone. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of like tendencies of the way you tend to self-sabotage. Mm. Yeah. Do you think that relates with, um, do you think that relates with fear? Um, absolutely. I think one of the core, uh, core ways, co core reasons that we do not do things the, that we would like to do is because of fear. I mean, really we're afraid, you know, again, it comes back to the way our brains are structured 
and we're maybe we're afraid of failure maybe we're afraid of how people are going to judge us maybe we're afraid of you know um alienating some people so um i think yeah I, again this is why i love writing things down because we can see well what is what's really going on here for me and a lot of times it's fear of the unknown fear of being uncomfortable feel uh, fear of what other people are going to think those are some main things we're afraid of definitely fear of success as well I think oh yes fear of success isn't that Oof. lovely <laughs> yes i want to know a your lovely thoughts. one i want to know your thoughts on this and th th this is a good point right um I was talking to my younger brother about this uh, just the other day. Some people are just so content and comfortable being the victim, right? Mm. Just be, oh, boohoo. Like, they're so comfortable with that. They don't even want the help. What are your thoughts on that, Paula? Because that's mindset, yeah. too. It totally is. And actually, victim, a victim tendency is another way that people self-sabotage because they are looking only primarily outside of themselves, right? So it's always someone else's fault or something that is happening to me rather than taking some responsibility for, for what's going on. Um, it's, it's kind of easy, right? To, to blame other people or to blame an outside circumstance. It's, it's more challenging to say, wow, how can I influence what's going on here so you know we can't blame the we can't blame the victims because it's it's an easy place to go um, but again just recognizing that huh maybe maybe I do have a choice here maybe I can influence the result and I certainly can influence the result for myself so yeah that's another way people self-sabotage for sure so, you know, if you're in a position like that, right, you know, you know, someone that that loves that victim mentality, what are your thoughts on criticism, right? Because some people can't take that if you're in a position where you're self sabotaging, and you have outsourced people telling you, um, hey, you shouldn't do this, they're criticizing you, there's criticism, and they're also constructive criticism. So I want to know, what are, what are your thoughts on that when you're addressing someone that you know, personally or professionally, that you see is dropping the ball? Yeah, so this is where it comes to, I think language is very important. Communication is really important. So if you, so I think you're asking if you want to approach someone and tell them that maybe they're dropping the ball, um, I, I first would ask, I would say, hey, I've noticed I'll get, I'm not, I'll tell me if this is an appropriate example for you, Javi. So you might say, Hey, so you signed up to do this thing over here. And I noticed that you, maybe you did 30, you know, this amount of it. And, um, but we really needed this to be done by this deadline. Do you mind if I give you some feedback? So I would first acknowledge, like kind of see what I saw ask them if maybe they, do they interpret it that way as well? And then ask them if I can give them some feedback and then do it in a, you know, this sounds a little funny, but doing it in a loving way. Like, I think if you can always come back to love, like what would love do in this moment? 
because you are, you know, speaking with another human being who has feelings and their feelings are coming from something that they are thinking. Um, so I, that's how I would approach it is making sure that you have some permission to give feedback. Permission to give feedback, permission to, for tough love too. You got to, sometimes you got to tell people about themselves. You know, you, you got to be a yeah. straight shooter. Uh, you definitely have to be a straight shooter. And I've learned that in business too. Um, you talked that you made, you mentioned one good point about people pleasing. There was a time period where I just found myself doing things that weren't really things I wanted to do. And that was people pleasing. And I, I'm glad that I was aware of it. I'm like, yeah, I, I need to put a halt. And it was a time period, I believe, I think from June to August, where I took like a two month break off podcasting because I needed a break. Um, mm -hmm. You know, as, as I mentioned, right before we started recording, I do like at least three to four interviews a day. So I have a whole bunch of vault of just podcast content, recording and tons of content. People are booking up in my calendar, but I need a break, right? So, you know, limiting, oh, this is a good one. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. So limiting that access to me and saying no, right? Um, the power of saying no too. I think that's a very important, oh man, Paula, can you break down the power of saying no and being okay <laughs> with saying no? You, I'm going to give you some permission right now. You get to say no whenever you want to say no, because everything that you're doing, you've created for yourself and it's amazing, right? But you can, you have the choice of when you know that you need to take a break you can take a break anytime you want. So, I, you know, I think especially for people pleasing type of situations, although you're kind of talking about something else right now, but, but saying no, you just want to really tap into like, why am I saying yes? Is it coming from a place of like, I think I should, or I think I have to, then it likely is attached to a feeling, right? That it doesn't feel very good. So, always tapping into, well, what does this feel like? And what does it feel like in my body is, is really important. And that can be your guidepost. Like, does it feel good to you to think about, I'm going to take a break for two months? I mean, it probably did feel pretty good, right? It felt phenomenal. I, you know, I came back with so much more energy and enthusiasm. Like I'm just sitting on this interview with you now. And I'm like, wow, like, this is really good. Like, this is really good. Good. I, I feel better because, it, you know, it's all about how you show up for yourself. The two-month break just made me realize so much more. Um, even in a break, I, I don't know if you know, but I also do comedy, right? I'm a comedian as well. So I was making a lot of uh, comedic uh, content and putting that out there for the two-month break from the podcast. So if I didn't take the two-month break on the podcast, I would have never... Uh, discovered my comedy talent. So right. by taking a break on one skill set, I found a way to perfect another. So mm -hmm. that's me also protecting my energy and having these business boundaries. And I've learned this right off the bat, Paula, because you know, you're on Clubhouse, um, you're on LinkedIn. So you know how it is to get sucked in on these platforms and you're on these platforms for hours, you're in so many different meetings, but having these business boundaries it, it's crucial, especially for happiness, because yeah, I, you know, I know all these successful people I've interviewed them, but am I happy? Um, mm. 
that that that's the question. Am I happy? And if you've got you? a question, are you happy? I'm happy now. I'm happy now, <laughs> but before I wasn't happy. So I'm glad you asked. I wasn't yeah. happy before. Honestly, no, I wasn't. Yeah. Well, and here's another thing you can ask yourself if you're trying to make a decision like that, like, okay, do, should I take, uh, you know, a, a two month break, for instance. So you want to ask yourself, why, why do I want to take that break? And do I like my reasons? So write all of your compelling reasons for why you would might want to take that break, what it would allow you to do or not do. And if you like it, do it, you know, I mean, this is your life, your business, you get to do what you want. And, and you don't need to apologize to anyone. Absolutely. No, straight up. You know, you got to tell people no. Hey, again, you're on LinkedIn. I'm pretty sure you get these sales messages all the time. Mm -hmm. Hey, Paula, we help coaches and leadership. And there's like, you know, you're <laughs> constantly getting that. <laughs> I've had a few of those. Yes, I will say. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but there was also this one thing that I recently got over and, I, and I'm, I'm more than proud to share this. Uh, the fear of rejection. Yeah, you know, the fear of rejection. Oh, the, for me, the fear of rejection goes all the way back to my childhood days, young boy, uh, puppy love kind of a thing and asking someone to prom and boom, no, oh, I'm hurt, I'm crushed, but life's over. Life goes on. It, it's the same thing with me messaging someone on LinkedIn saying, hey, um, you know, would you like uh, help with, you know, your marketing services? No, life goes on. What's the, the worst they could say is no. The worst they could say is no. And no is not also a bad thing. Sometimes, and, and I'll let you take it from here, rejection is actually redirection. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes that can be a, a gift and we don't even know it, right? Like it allows us to say yes to something else that maybe we really do want to do. Um, I've had to go through this recently myself because as I've shift from, um, more mark, I still do market research and certainly facilitation, um, but I shifted a, to more coaching and, and just kind of going through what that means for me and what to say yes to and what to say no to. Um, you know, it, it, it requires just some, like to me anyway, it requires for me to get quiet with myself so that I can really tap into what direction do I really want to go? And then once I'm clear on that, I, you know, that then allows me to be clearer on what to say no to and what to say yes to. So even though I, I'm able to do some of these things, I sometimes choose not to, so that I leave myself more open to doing things that I do want to do or to be able to create them. Good points right there. Good points. And you just had me thinking about uh, self-care. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about self-care. Because yesterday I just went to the gym, felt phenomenal. And I'm like, yo, I don't do enough of what I just did. Prioritizing mm -hmm. self-care. Um, working out in the gym, my me time, phones on airplane mode, like no notifications, just me and my music and the ab machine. And I'm getting to work. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we all get to define what self-care is for ourselves, um, you know, and certainly it could be moving your body, being quiet, uh, turning off all your notifications. I'm a big fan of that. 
um, writing. I like to write. So I think everybody, you know, gets to decide what that self-care can be. And it doesn't even have to take a long time, right? Like it could just be my morning tea where I know that I have 15 minutes to myself before I start my day or taking a walk. I'm, I'm a big proponent of being outside when I can be. Um, so getting outside is important to me and being in nature when I can is, you know, having planned time in nature is really important to me. And then also having planned time with people that I love and dear friends. That's also, that's kind of kept me going <laughs> through the pandemic too, is just knowing that I have my small, you know, set of people that I spend time with and I'm comfortable with. So, but also I, to me, self-care has been meeting new people like yourself, you know, learning new things. I mean, I, I actually do consider that a part of self-care because it's, I, I like moving forward in my life. So learning new things and meeting new interesting people is part of that. Absolutely. No, I concur with the, with networking, especially uh, a thousand percent. Um, you wouldn't be here without it. Obviously, of course, you know, clubhouse and all these networking yeah. resources, platforms. Um, so we touched on a lot during this interview, so many talking points, like this, this was literally one of those interviews where it's like, I lost track of time <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, this is really good. Um, what is, what is, what is the most important thing that you want, you know, the audience and the listeners to take away from this episode? Cause we touched on leadership. We touched on self-sabotage mindset. Uh, you know, we touched on so many different and important uh, points. Well, what yeah. do you want listeners to take away from this episode? You know, I actually think the thing that we talked about, about um, being present. Yes. Really important. Um, when I think about all these other topics, the one that is the most simple, but maybe not always easy and really powerful is just to be very conscious of where you are in your mind, especially when you're talking to someone else or actually even being with yourself, right? Like so many times our brains can be all over the place. And what if you just took an extra moment to take a deep breath, get into your body and really stay in the moment. So that's, that, that would be my challenge for everyone today is what, what is something you can do to stay a little more present for yourself and for the people around you today? Mm -hmm. Let's be present. Oh man. I, I you know, I, I like that you mentioned that point. Um, just, I think after, especially after this interview, I'm going to be more present going forward. I think presence being present is the difference maker to what help someone excel or decline and being present is something I that we I don't hear a lot of people touch on it or talk about it mm -hmm. um, I'm glad we had the opportunity to talk on it uh, because it, I think it's a conversation that needs to be had you know you could physically be in the room but mentally you're just not there <laughs> it happens a lot it happens a lot and people uh, I guess are on autopilot and with this pandemic, it's very easy to be on autopilot. So it's, it's time to 
shake it up a bit and then say, hey, it's time to be present. So Paula, please shout yourself out in terms of just you know, your social media links, your websites, um, any special courses or books you want to promote. Where can people find you and keep up with everything that you're doing? Yeah, well, thank you. Um, well, I hang out a lot on LinkedIn. I'm Paula Rosecki. I have an Instagram uh, account as well. And I'm at paularosecki.com. That's P-A-U-L-A-R-O-S-E-C-K-Y.com. And right now I have actually a short three-session coaching program called Learn How to Manage your mother from another culture. <laughs> so people who um, have immigrant parents, there's kind of a layer of additional beliefs um, that we deal with. And so I'm helping people manage through some of that through a three session coaching program. So they can find that on my website. Thank you so much for all this great time, Yahavi. No, I, this was, I, this, this was one of those, uh, you know, those interviews. I'm like, wow, like, <laughs> like this was so much better than I could have imagined because I didn't like one thing I definitely don't do is I don't write out my questions. Some days I do, some days I don't. And I do have something that's pre-drafted, but my on the fly questions, especially the one on presence, I'll just touch on this one last time. Um, you know, I, I'm just in awe because there was just so much gems and so much takeaways that we could apply just, just from this interview. And it's such an honor. And this is why, again, I love networking because I get to hear someone else's experience. You know, people come with experience. I think a lot of people overlook the experience that people come with. You know, Paula, you've seen a whole different side of the world that I don't know, that the other side of the world doesn't know. And for you to come on the podcast and share your experience and your expertise and touch on these these different factors uh, of topics, I, you know, I, I'm just in awe. I, I, this is why I love podcasting because I would be lying to you if I said um, I'm not doing what I'm doing now be without podcasting. Podcasting has been the difference factor. So when I hear episodes like this, or being, of course, being a part of it, I look at okay, what does leadership look like to me now? Right. So after this interview, I'm going to look at leadership and say, okay, here's some ways for me to improve within leadership. Here are some things that I could apply um, to have a more healthy balance within mindset, personal and professionally. So I don't know, a lot of a lot of good takeaways. I guess I guess I'm letting the listeners know, like, hey, like this is the one. Put a star next to this one. Download this episode, guys, please. Um, like always, like I always say, uh, Paula, do you have any closing thoughts before I close out? I just wish you all a lot of presence today and moving forward. Thank you for this opportunity, Yahavi. Absolutely. So guys, like I always say, please uh, don't forget to stream and subscribe to the St. Clair Street Show podcast. You could stream this interview from start to finish streaming on all major streaming platforms such as iTunes, Spotify, Google, Podcast, Overcast, Radio Public, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Audible, and Pandora. Like always, I'll see you guys in the next one. I'm out. Peace.